Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Center of Attention. I'm your host, Jimmy Pilato, and I'm recording this intro right now from my dorm room during the week of finals here at Western on a Wednesday, so second to last day of tests. I'm just going to go down some of the things that I talk about in today's episode, uh, talk about Christmas break and finals week, and uh, how that could force people to crack under pressure, and how different people handle different stresses, and uh, then I, I get into a little bit of my medical, I would say, episode that happened earlier this year in October, uh, first time I've kind of really opened up about that on any sort of broadcasting type platform, uh, closing down the building as an RA, then I talk about my doctor's appointment coming up on Friday, um, and then I finish up talking about college football, the college football playoff, and the Heisman Trophy, and then my plan as a Bengals fan of what they should do and why being a Bengals fan makes me and all the other Bengals fans a saint. Um, It was a good episode, I think, first episode that I recorded solo of the podcast since the trailer. I'm glad everybody liked the episode last week with Garrett. He actually just left today, so it's a little bit sad that He's not going to be here on campus anymore. He's my best friend that was here on campus. Uh, But I wish him nothing but the best. And I know that he had a lot of fun on the podcast. And I'm glad that everybody got to listen to him and get a little bit of a taste of what he's like. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Pilato. The link will be in the description as well. And you could follow me on Instagram at proud underscore WAP. Um, Facebook, just Jimmy Pilato. I also have my blog that I started and the link to that is James Pilato iii.wixsite.com slash center of attention there will be a new um, blog post put up tonight and it's going to be about the last weekend in western basketball as I was there broadcasting those so that's what that's going to be about um, for, as well as far as where you can find the show You can listen to it through the link on Anchor that I tweet out and put on my Facebook every week and my Instagram story. You can follow us on Spotify. If you do listen on Spotify, I'd greatly appreciate you following the show. And then you can subscribe to us on Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public. I talk about in the episode, I'm not sure why Apple Podcast hasn't been allowed yet for the podcast to be put on there. And they said they're experiencing some delays with the holiday season, so... Hopefully, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, PocketCasts, and Stitcher, um, at some point here in the near future, allow the podcast to be available on those platforms. But those are the Twitter handles and where you can find the show. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys enjoy this new episode of Center Woo! of Attention. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Come on. Bring them out, bring them out. Hey. Bring them out, bring them out. Bring them out. Yeah. Yeah. From in between games of Madden, getting ready to go home for Christmas break, and basically procrastinating, um, you know, some of the cleaning that I have to do in my room, decided that I'd record the podcast because this will be a fun way for me to pass some time, probably about an hour, hour and a half, and um it was finals week this week and i was done super early so now for today and tomorrow since i have to be here to close down the dorm i don't have to do 
anything. So I'm trying to kind of fill some time. And I think a podcast is probably, I mean, I had to record one today. And today, this week, I wasn't going to have a guest. Um, so I was just going to record it whenever I kind of wanted to and came up with some things to talk about. So I, I have and now uh, here I am. So yeah, like I said, it was finals week this week here at Western. I think they went pretty well. I only had one test, and then I had um, a few papers that I had to turn in, but I had those pretty much done before I um, started this week, and now finally into the home stretch of the semester. I'm just kind of running out the clock until we're able to shut down the dorms and I can go home and enjoy the holidays with my family, see my dogs again. That's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, this is kind of just going to be a laid back kind of episode, not really too, too much exciting things to talk about. Um, I think that, you know, <clears throat> as we continue to go through, there might, I'm going to follow current events a little bit more, so I'll be able to talk about that. But I didn't really want to talk about any of the current events going on this week because a lot of it is revolving around the impeachment trials. And I don't really want to talk about politics. I don't enjoy talking about politics. And uh, I don't necessarily understand enough to be able to talk about them. I was on Voice of the Valley, one of my old boss's radio shows this week on Monday. And that was one of the topics he he brought it up and I didn't really want to talk about it so we tried not to one of his other co-hosts kind of went off into a tangent as to why the political climate is the way that it is and it's fairly simple to kind of figure it out people are deciding to be enemies before actually hearing out the other side but I don't really feel like talking about politics it's not something that I've ever been interested in talking about so I'm gonna just keep it you know light this isn't supposed to be a heavy kind of hour of your week. This is more just to listen to some some cool conversation, discuss some cool topics, and get another point of view. And I don't think that anybody really would enjoy listening to some 22-year-old college senior, uh, been an athlete most of his life, talk about politics when he doesn't necessarily understand everything that's going on. And... You know, it's just not going to be fun for me. And this is part of the reason why I started this is that it's, this is fun for me. So that's what we're going to continue to do. Um, but anyways, this has been finals in college. I mean, even back in high school at Creek, I never really stressed too much about finals. Um, I've always felt, you know, if you put in all the work leading up into the final week of the semester, you should be fine. You shouldn't have to worry about anything. Everything should be great. Uh, and my goal was always to make my grade leading into the final test. Pretty much I'd have to not show up and not take the final to get lower than an A or a B. And I, I did that again this semester. Uh, my classes were interesting. Um, I, I had a little bit of a health scare. I mean, not a little bit of a health scare. I, I nearly, you know, I nearly passed away. And that's one of the first times that I'm actually saying that out loud and it's going to be broadcast to more than just the people who were there or my friends that kind of understand and know what was going on. But so that happened early October. Um, I had a stomach ulcer that was over an artery in my stomach that connects the stomach to the small intestine. 
and uh, the ulcer ruptured and the artery began to bleed into my stomach. So uh, it was about a two day period, a couple of malpractice things happened with the doctor and then wound up getting airlifted from Gunnison to Grand Junction and then had to spend five days in the ICU before they can figure out whether or not they had stopped the bleeding or if I was going to have to go into surgery. Luckily, they were able to stop the bleeding. So <clears throat> that worked out in my favor. But, uh, you know, I, I missed an entire week and a half of school pretty much um, leading into that episode. And then I came back. And for whatever reason, you know, I've always been kind of a dork and I've always been a, a good student. I'm a fairly intelligent person and can, if I'm in a structured setting like a classroom or, you know, something like that, I'm always going to be able to, I, I've always been able to kind of figure out what I'm supposed to do, make sure that I'm doing everything the right way and keeping up on my grades. And that was not more evident than when I came back from you know, a week in the hospital and then a few days at home. And uh, when I when I show back up, I'm pretty much ahead of everywhere that I was. I missed a couple in-class quizzes um, and one test that I was able to make up and I actually got an A on that test. So that's, you know, going into finals week, I never really stress too much about finals week. I feel like if I do stress myself out, it's uh, not going to be as fun you know, or I'm not going to do as well on the test. It's not going to be as fun for me to do. And uh, I think that's a huge factor in being successful, especially on a test like that. I, I, it's the same thing when I was studying for the ACT and the SAT. Um, I tried to be as light about it as possible. I mean, I would go in and, and study and do the study programs, but I feel like most of my performance has come from being able to remain calm but uh, it's interesting as an RA and talking to different people and different people that I've experienced in my past. Um, as an RA, it's interesting to see how some of these other students go about finals week, especially I'm in a freshman dorm this year. So I'm a senior and everybody else on my floor that are, are my residents are freshmen. And it's so interesting to kind of see how intimidated they are by finals week, a lot of them, uh, I, I would say that I'm pretty lucky. I went to one of the better high schools in the state of Colorado, so I was fairly prepared coming into college. Um, and I've talked about this on other shows before. I still, you know, kind of screwed around my first few years. Um, it was the more difficult part of the transition from high school to college for me was um, being able to figure out how to do everything that I wanted to do, spend my time the way I wanted to spend it and still be ready for, excuse me, still be ready to go to class and then throw in football on top of that. I was traveling as a freshman and that was the year we did um, Humboldt and then South Dakota Mines back to back. So we drove in a bus from, hum from Gunnison to Humboldt, California, which is a couple hours north of Sacramento, which is pretty much the biggest city that's close to it. So that's a 24-hour bus ride, and we left on Wednesday, I believe. 
of that week. So we traveled Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, played the game on Saturday, drove all the way back from after once the game was over, started driving back, only got off the bus for about an hour and a half for breakfast the next morning, and then continued the drive all the way through, got back here in Gunnison at like midnight that night. Um, so I wasn't, you know, didn't sleep very well for those classes. And then the next week having to go up to South Dakota, that's a 12-hour drive, and they split that up into two days. So we leave on Thursday that week. So I had missed, you know, a whole entire week of school leading into finals and midterms of my freshman year. So that was difficult. But then, um, you know, seeing some of the, the residents that I have on my floor now, um, there's a lot of caffeine going around during finals week. A lot of people are... Um, I don't want to say making it a bigger deal than what it is because if you're trying to go to grad school and if you take any sort of pride in your you know work ethic and in your intelligence in school I'm sure everybody you know th these are important tests and, and they are weighted differently like normally 20% for a reason <coughs> excuse me they're they're weighted differently for a reason so I can see why people take it so seriously, but as a person who does so much better when I'm relaxed and kind of just going with the flow of everything, um, it's interesting to see how other people handle finals week. Uh, my girlfriend, Lauren, who um, she's in a pretty tough major and she wants to go to grad school and vet school. Um, she's at CSU and she's doing animal sciences and she's taking a few really tough classes. And even when she's not taking finals tests, her tests are super stressful for her. That's just kind of how she pushes herself to do well. And sometimes it manifests itself in aggression and aggravation. And I think, you know, she ends up doing pretty well on most of her tests. Um, it's just interesting to see that kind of dynamic, especially with somebody who I'm so close to. I mean, I've been dating her for um, seven months now. We had our six-month anniversary over Thanksgiving break, and now we're getting to Christmas break, so coming up on seven months. And we're able to be together and work really well in other things, but as soon as it comes to schooling and she sees how laid back I am, where I get my stuff done when I feel like it, uh, my major's a little bit different. <coughs> Excuse me. Both of my majors are a little bit different than her um, animal science major, and I'm also not planning on going to grad school. Um, so these tests are important just because I want to finish with a, a good GPA and graduate, um, in that kind of good standing like I did in high school, but I'm not looking to try and, and get into another program. Um, but she, she gets pretty upset. I would say that's, that's probably the best way to put it. And she gets kind of upset when I'm able to kind of just do whatever and still, get the grades that I have and still be successful as a student, be able to do the other things that I want, like the podcast and uh, the radio show that I do up here in Gunnison. So uh, different people do it different ways. I had one roommate um, my sophomore year, Josh. He would, instead of studying for his tests for enough time or writing a paper when it was assigned or even, you know, not everybody has to write a paper when it's assigned. I don't write papers right when they're assigned, but I definitely make sure that I have enough time before the paper is due so that I don't have to stay up until midnight or one or two. Um, Josh would 
I, I don't know, something must have been going on, but he wouldn't, you know, talk about it. He would go skiing pretty much every Tuesday and Thursday instead of going to class. And then during finals week, he had like three or four papers that he had to write, a project that he had to do and a test to study for. And instead of studying for all of that the week before finals week and, you know, the few days leading up into the test that he had, <coughs> he um, he would just cram it all like the night before. So he'd be up to like four or five in the morning, sleep for the entire day because he didn't have, he worked it out so that he didn't have any tests on the first day of finals week and then go and take his test. And that's, I don't know. I feel like Lauren's way of studying is stressful, especially for somebody like me. But I feel like that would just be absolute hell in trying to keep yourself composed, retain any of the information that you're studying for, be able to write a good paper. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of it's interesting, the different types of people that you see. And especially, you know, I'm a communications and sociology major, so I deal with people a lot and especially different kinds of people. Um, I would consider myself a type A personality. I, I do think that I work better by myself and I enjoy things when I control everything. Granted, why do you think I'm doing a podcast by myself? Um, not to say last week's podcast was bad and a lot of you guys listen to it and I'm sure you all are um, you know, feeling the same way that I do about Garrett where he's just a really cool guy. He he has probably the most friends. You know, There's 3,000 kids on campus. He probably is friends. And everybody probably considers him a, a really good friend or best friend. Um, and he just he's able to kind of build relationships easily. Um, so I, I'm glad we got to do that podcast last week. But as a type A personality, I really enjoy just controlling a lot. And if somebody doesn't want to do something, I would rather take up that job too and make sure that I know that I'm doing it the right way. Because if somebody doesn't want to do something and you still assign them that job, you have the possibility of them not doing what you what they set out to do or what you expected them to do. Um, I just did this with a, a group project in a couple of my sociology classes. And, you know, I did a majority of the work. And I went into the project knowing that I was going to do a majority of the work because um, not to say anything bad about my partners, but this uh, the projects and stuff they meant a lot to me to be able to keep the grade that I have increase the grade that I have um, one of the classes I had gotten an A on every single project that we turned in and I wanted to continue that um, for no other reason than it's just you know I'm a competitive person so it's interesting because I, I feel like I'm a type A personality I feel like Lauren um, isn't necessarily as much of a type A personality but we go about you know, studying and different stressors and how we deal with stress so differently. She would rather stress herself to the point that she cries and then know that she's going to be able to get the work done where I would just rather have confidence in myself, not saying that she doesn't have confidence in herself, but I would rather have confidence in myself knowing that I'm going to go in and do the best job that I can. And that's going to be good enough because that's how um, I've prepared for this. I I have a lot and I think that goes back to the, the football. And <clears throat> football is played once a week, so it's a little bit less competition than you get in some of the other sports. But the preparation and the amount of time that you go over things and over and over and over, um, I think that's kind of what has pushed me to this point 
you know, with in my schooling and my career moving forward that I want to do is that I'm so overprepared that uh, I don't need to stress about a whole lot as I'm getting a, a public safety alert. That is something that you don't often see in Gunnison. Injured police officer, subject described as a white male, medium build, last seen wearing a tan jacket and black hat in the area of 80th Avenue. Oh, that's not in Gunnison, that's back in Denver. Um, hopefully this is resolved and nothing else happens, comes from it. Um, and everybody who's listening in Denver, I, I hope that everybody stayed safe. Um, but anyways... So I think the being conditioned with through football and the preparation that goes into a single game in football, uh, you have to have confidence in yourself when you're preparing that way, especially for something like that. So I, I think I kind of just carried that over. And um, people who haven't kind of been conditioned into that, I can see how they need to be a little bit differently. And if it works, it works, and that's fine. I'm not here to tell anybody what's – the right thing to do or not i would just say unless you're a person who thrives under stress and i'm stress is a really good thing stress is an instinct that has been able to keep human beings alive um because if you think about it human beings should not be at the top of the food chain there's a whole lot of other things that can very easily kill um human beings and not really have to work that hard at it but stress is something that's been able to keep human beings alive and thriving for the amount of time that they've had. But if you stress your point to the self, if you stress yourself to the point where that's all you can think about and you're not confident in the preparation that you've had, then I think that's where it becomes a little bit of a problem. And you can start to maybe put yourself in a worse position than what you wanted to do. And, um, it can kind of, I think it can be a little bit more detrimental than what a lot of people think. Um, but anyways, yeah, finals week was this week. I think it went pretty well. I was pretty prepared for all of them. A lot of the students that I talked to on my floor were pretty prepared and that's cool because I'd like to think I'm not as involved as some of the other RAs on campus. I'm not somebody who takes this job to the point where I, I need to be best friends with everybody who lives on my floor. I'd rather just kind of be a mentor. Um, and I've been a big brother my whole, well, I've been a big, big brother for 20 years of my 22 years of life. And this is a way for me to kind of be that big brother again. Um, a lot of the, the students that I've talked to on my floor have been prepared for their finals and they feel like their finals have been going well. And I take a lot of pride in that because I think, I'd like to think that they see what I've been doing and my kind of preparation and everything and how I've been able to navigate this semester having the week and a half in the hospital and playing football and still being able to be around, make sure that everything's doing going okay. And I just take a lot of pride in the fact that most of my students felt like they were pretty prepared and they weren't stressing too hard over finals. Um, speaking of... You know, the, the end of the semester, I said it earlier, I, I have to stay here until Thursday night. We're actually going to leave Friday morning. Um, 
my sister and I, that's that's one of the downfalls of being an RA is having to stay past everybody. And even though as a senior, I'm probably going to be done with finals both this semester and next semester a lot earlier than everybody else, I'm still going to have to stick around. That would be the one downfall. But I've really enjoyed my time as a RA, even though sometimes it's a little annoying. I don't enjoy I'm kind of a, I'm not a, a huge party person anyways. Um, I've probably been to less than 20 parties in my four years in college. And most of those were my freshman and sophomore year before I got hired. And then one of them was this past year, uh, a couple weeks ago in Fort Collins. That was, that was pretty fun. Um, but I, I'm more of a, you know, I might not go to bed super early, but I enjoy being just in my room winding myself down being ready to go to bed um, and get up at 8 30 i'd rather get up at 8 30 do a whole bunch of stuff during the day and then kind of go to bed a little bit earlier rather than wake up at noon go all the way through until 2 a.m the next day sleep until noon again that's kind of i mean uh, that just hasn't been how i've really enjoyed my college experience I, i'd rather be ready for bed get up, be productive during the day, I just feel a lot better um, that way. So as an RA, we have to, during the week when we have duty, we have to be in the office until midnight. We go on rounds at different times of the night to make sure everything is going okay. <laughs> Nobody, I was on Halloween last year, and one of the the things that our resident director told us was to make sure that nobody had drank themselves to pass out anywhere other than their room. So we were basically doing rounds to check and make sure that nobody had gone a little bit too far in their drinking and um, wound up somewhere where they weren't supposed to be. So that's we're basically trying to keep the campus safe. We work with security and uh, our resident directors as <clears throat> they have a rotating duty schedule as well. But that's one of the, as a low-flying plane goes basically right over the the building and I'm pretty sure it was a male plane I saw a couple balls on it um but that's one of the, the things that I don't enjoy about the resident assistant job is having to be up to the point where um I'm up at midnight and then I have to try and go to bed and, and still wake up at the same time the next day and I don't really enjoy that because if I'm not in my room before I'm trying to go to bed it takes me a while to kind of wind myself down and um stick to my schedule that I've been able to use and I, I think my schedule has been pretty productive for me throughout my time here in college uh, but I, I would say that being a resident assistant has been really fun and it's something that I'm glad that I did I was kind of missing out being a, a big brother in my couple years here and now that I've been able to do that once again and now my sister is here and she's a manager on the football team uh, it's it's crazy the things that you get you get used to, especially before you come to college, and then when you realize that that's not going to be something that you have anymore, that can be a little bit different. But we're going to be closing down the building here Thursday night, which basically means it's a lot better here than it was in my last complex. We were in the apartments last year, and that was – I had probably 10 to 12 apartments – but each apartment had like 
five bedrooms, four bedrooms in it. So there's a lot of things that we had to check. We had to make sure that all the windows were closed in every bedroom. Everything was unplugged in every bedroom um, because the campus, you know, I think it, the campus is improving, but Western still is, you know, I mean, Ute is a still on an old school breaker system that I don't think has been changed since the 70s. So power goes out a lot. We don't want any power to go out. We had a, an incident happen this year where somebody, I think it actually was a facilities member, left a window open in Moffitt, which is one of the other residence halls here on campus. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, it gets cold in Gunnison. It's been really cold the last week here. But even when it's not Arctic like it has been the past few weeks here, it's still pretty cold at night. And uh, one of the pipes in the ceiling froze, one of the fire emergency pipes that runs the sprinklers froze and then busted. And uh, the entire building was destroyed because it was on the third floor. So the water just fell from the ceiling of the third floor all the way down. And there was enough water that the drywall is completely done. I mean, it's borderline. They're going to have to replace the building. So we got to make sure that all the windows are closed everything is unplugged hopefully nobody leaves anything in the fridge i think somebody did over thanksgiving break because when we got back it it stunk really bad on our floor um so i'm glad that <coughs> excuse me it's just uh you know part of the job that we got to stay here and make sure that everybody else is responsible um i'm gonna actually once I finish recording, I'm going to start defrosting my fridge because I finally finished everything that was in it and probably start cleaning up my room. But, you know, I, I'd rather be going home or going to the doctor today or tomorrow, depending on when Roxy finishes her finals. Um, but it, I, it's not like I don't enjoy being being an RA and I still think that, you know, I, I still get to record the podcast. I still get to do a lot of the things that I want to do probably going to write another blog post for my blog tonight um, and post it. So it's going to be, not having anything to do is pretty boring, Um, but I still enjoy my job enough that I'll I'll deal with not having anything to do and being able to, and not, not being forced to, but having to stay, you know, here even though I'm already done and should be back home and enjoying some time with my family um speaking of family Christmas is coming up and it's obviously one of my favorite times of the year Christmas has always been pretty big for my family um it's actually a tradition I'm not sure how far it goes back but my grandpa on my mom's side always used to say that no matter what happened for the rest of the year, no matter if anybody was fighting, bickering, somebody was upset, everybody had to be at my my grandpa and grandpa's grandpa and grandma's house on Christmas Eve to celebrate as a family and that's continued throughout my entire lifetime and I'm sure it's going to continue with the future generations of the family where we all on that side of the family get together on Christmas Eve um the last few years we've been playing cards card games cards against humanity we played what the meme last year but you know we, my, my grandma always makes raviolis and it's a it's a big deal and it's always been fun we normally make 
um, knots and patels, the sugar cookies. And uh, we used to decorate cookies for Santa. We're all a little bit old for that, I think, at this point. But I'm sure if my grandma asked if we wanted to go, my cousins and I and my brothers and sister would definitely show up and still decorate Christmas cookies. But it, I think that this is one of the best times of the year. And like I said, it's probably because I don't allow for stress to be a, a main factor in my life. A lot of people are get real stressed around the holidays. And I've talked to a few people here that aren't looking forward to going home just because their family is so stressful. And I don't don't want to say anything. I don't want to be rude, but that's just not the way that this is supposed to be. Christmas is supposed to be a time where you get to spend time with people that you might not get to see as much as you want to or as much as you used to. And I still enjoy the spirit of Santa Claus and giving presents and... You know, I don't believe in Santa Claus himself anymore, but the the um, the story behind why Santa Claus exists, I think, is still a really good story to keep going in, you know, in times where, like I said, the, the political climate is so crazy. There's a lot of things that are going on. Everybody's bickering, it seems like, especially if you're online. Um, so I think that I still, I think that Christmas should be a time where everybody can be with people that they haven't gotten to see as much as they wanted to. And sometimes, you know, families are supposed to stress you out. Sometimes stress is good and they might drive you crazy, but you know that you still love them. That's why they're family. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Lauren is actually coming to Christmas Eve and then going up on our Christmas Day tradition. My um, aunt on my dad's side and hit and we our family and their family kind of split back and forth um whether we go up there for christmas day or they come down to our house so that's how we see that side of the family and lauren's going to be there for christmas eve and christmas day so she's going to get to see both sides of my crazy italian family um which is fair i'm gonna go to temple with her she's jewish and um I'm going to have a new experience of going to temple with her at some point over Christmas break. So it's only fair that she gets to deal with my crazy family as well. And uh, I think that it'll, it'll be a good Christmas break overall. It gets cut short for me. I'm only on break for about 16 days. Um, I'm back here January 6th. And spring training for resident assistants starts January 7th. So it's a shorter Christmas break for me. Um... And I'm not, I'm looking forward to it and I, I enjoy going home every now and then. I'm also at the point where I'm looking, you know, starting to plan for the future and I have a few different opportunities at this point where I could possibly end up. So I think coming home and visiting family is good. Um, and I, it's going to be short enough for me to where I'm not going to get to the point where I'm tired of being at home it's still all gonna be fun we're still gonna have a blast we actually go home <clears throat> we'll get home friday night and christmas eve is tuesday night so it's a quick turnaround again this year it's one of those years where christmas break starts and christmas happens like right after so that'll be fun i, I think i'm enjoying i'm gonna enjoy that ever since what happened with me in october i've kind of just taken everything and try to make the best out of everything. I'm not looking to be 
a downer. I'm not really letting anything get under my skin like I used to or I'm trying to. So I'm excited to see my family over the break, get to ring in a new year, hopefully. Uh, that's one thing. I am so ready for the new year to happen. Um, this year with my family, I mean, me being one of the main things, but we got a lot of good and bad stuff happen. We had a wedding. My cousin got married over the summer, so that was great. I almost died in October. That was sucked. Uh, my other cousin got, he took a full-time position at a national park in Utah. That's awesome. Um, and then last night, my brother got into a car accident. Uh, he's okay. The car is, I'm not sure what condition the car is in, but that sucks that he was in the car accident. And uh, it just seems like as the faster we can get out of 2019 and into 2020 would be better. I mean, I met Lauren in 2019. Dom graduated high school. He's doing well in college. Roxy is thriving here in college as well. She's probably the favorite manager of all the players on the team. And uh, so there's a lot of good things that have happened this year, but the bad things have been really bad. So hopefully moving on into next year, you know, starting a few new traditions and uh, a few new things will will benefit everybody. And uh, hopefully the, the year kind of turns around our luck just – you know, in my family personally, and I hope everybody um, is looking forward to moving into 2020 and, and everybody's moving in the right direction, make that a great year um, as well. Yeah, I mentioned my doctor's appointment a few times. That's actually something I'm really looking forward to this week. <clears throat> this is going to be, hopefully, you know, I've been, ever since I got back from the hospital, I've been on a pill regiment. Because the way that I was bleeding, I had seven blood transfusions in the hospital. And um, I was at about half the amount of red blood cells that I should have in my body when they discharged me from the hospital. And there was nothing else they could do about that. It was just going to take time for them, for the red blood cells to build themselves back up. So I've been on a, a ton of pills and, you know, I, I've been on more of a, I haven't been on any dietary restrictions. It's more of a... I'm just not fully cleared. So I have some stuff that I'm okay with doing, some stuff um, I've been advised against not doing. I've been able to go back to the gym, which is something that's been great. I think that's been one of the main reasons why I've been able to finish out this semester so strong. But hopefully this will be, they're going to draw more blood, make sure that I have all the blood cells that I should have. And then uh, we'll we'll see, but hopefully... I'll be fully cleared, not have to take any of these pills anymore. And uh, this is basically kind of the catalyst for me to move on past what happened. I don't want to, I'm not underselling the importance of what happened. And sometimes I feel like that's kind of the way it seems with me is that I'm underselling what happened and, and I'm not. I think that this, it's difficult to kind of cart. I'm still heavily compartmentalized about what happened. Um, I've been able to do some different things and unlock different parts of it. Um, like I, I did a float tank and that kind of gave me, you know, it put puts you in more of a meditative state than anything else. And I think that was good. I'm just looking, I think once the doctor tells me that I'm all good 
and I'm on the right track and should be fine in the next few days or that I'm already fine. I think that's going to be a huge step in being able to move past this and kind of take the lesson of listen to your body and don't try and be a dumbass and be too strong for your own good. That's basically what it was. I was too stubborn for my own good, both in the fact that I took me two days of internal bleeding before I went to the hospital. And then being in the hospital, this was the good part about being stubborn, as stubborn as I am. I was, my body was too stubborn to just let me die, which is when I got off the helicopter in Grand Junction, my blood pressure was 80 over 40 and my heart rate was 155. So I was not in good shape. I think they said I had about six to 12 hours before it wasn't going to go the way that, that everybody probably would have wanted it to. So I've barely survived this and I think there's a lot of good lessons that I need to learn from it, but I think I need to be told that I'm fine and that I am okay and I'm back to normal by the doctor who very, you know, I'm very thankful for all the doctors over at St. Mary's in Grand Junction. They were, that's probably one of the best hospitals I've ever been in. And I think that they, without them, I definitely wouldn't be here. I'm not, it's not, I don't think that I wouldn't be here if not for them. It's a true fact that if not for, you know, my sister who made sure my parents came down the second day after I didn't get any better being in the hospital. Um, if not for my, you know, my family being able to kind of talk, talk together because we were about to leave the hospital that last day. And, and if that would have happened, we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made it. So if we weren't able to kind of gather ourselves and force our way into the emergency room, so that they can see that I was in such bad shape, wasn't getting any better. I had been there the day, the day before, nothing ever, nothing changed. And if it wasn't for being able to get to such a great hospital in Grand Junction in St. Mary's with Dr. Brosser, who originally tried to stop the bleeding, but it was to the point where he couldn't do anything with his cauterizing tool. And then the other doctors who did interventional radiology and finally stopped the bleeding, I definitely wouldn't be here. So I'm, I'm, trying to take the lessons from this and learn whatever I was supposed to learn. Um, but I think being able to be told that I'm good and I am back to normal is going to be a good step in that direction. So the, this doctor's appointment is a huge deal, you know, not just for me, but for my family as well. I'm sure, you know, my parents are eager to kind of get the go ahead from the doctor that everything's fine again. I know my aunts and uncles and everybody, you know, everybody that I was close to that were affected so much by this. Um, I'm sure that they're all looking forward to have me having a clear diagnosis and a clean bill of health moving forward into 2020. And then I'll be able to kind of think back and I think get some of the lessons that I need out of what happened but that's the main things that are coming up this week um two weekends ago uh, i'll say it now because i didn't get to talk about it last week's podcast eddie and cherry creek won the state championship my youngest brother and that's the 10th state championship in cherry creek school history it was a great 
it's good to see, you know, I'm a little bit different, I think, than most. I'm still super involved and love to see my high school dominate in sports that I played, and I played football there for two, two and a half years. So I'm, it was great to see them, and uh, seeing one of my brothers thrive the way that he has, um, I think that was that was an awesome thing to do. And being able to be there this time and seeing them win the state championship was awesome. So um, that's basically the biggest things that have been happening in my life personally. So we're going to move on a little bit now. Um, I am going to talk a little bit of sports since I don't get Gunnison Sports Talk Radio this week. We decided to take the week off and focus on tests. I'm not sure what Rev all, what Rev had to do, but... Um, being the the sports director and the boss, I kind of made the executive decision, you know, probably better to focus on school and make sure that everything there is taken care of than getting in the studio and, and bullshitting about sports for a couple hours. But so the, uh, the college football playoff has been set, and I'm actually pretty upset about what happened with this. It goes back to two weeks ago again, conference championship week. We said on Gunnison Sports Talk Radio we are finally not going to have Alabama in the college football playoff, which is great. We get LSU this year, first time they're in the they're in the playoff. Um, they're the only new team in the playoff this year, but there was a chance for even more of a different look in the playoffs this year. And going into conference championship week, Utah was number four or number five. They were right behind Georgia. They were number five. Oklahoma was six, Baylor was seven. So those three schools were basically hoping that LSU wins the SEC championship, which I don't think anybody had any doubts that they were going to be able to do. And they ended up doing it very impressively against Georgia, who has been in the playoff for the past two years, um, or two years ago, and had that great game. We're in the national championship two years ago. Everybody kind of expected LSU to take care of business. So there was basically three ways that this could could go down. Utah, if they win the Pac-12 championship, which I thought they were going to, I thought they were a much better team than Oregon, especially after watching Oregon's game against Arizona State. Fuck Oregon, by the way. I hate Oregon right now. Oregon has taken over Ohio State as my least favorite college football team um, in, in the country. So Utah beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They have the better resume. They beat a top 10 team in Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. They're a one-loss conference champion. They should be put into the playoff. They would then move up to the fourth spot and be in the college football playoff. That would have been cool. I think the Pac-12, for as much shit as it gets, as being one of the lower-level Power 5 conferences, I think that they are actually a lot better, and they're getting better. Um in the past few years. So I think people aren't giving them the credit that they deserve all those schools at the top. You know, Utah has been really good ever since they got in. Washington had a down year, but Oregon has kind of moved themselves back up with the number one recruiting class two years ago. Um, I think the Pac-12 is a lot better, excuse me, a lot better than people give it credit for. I really wanted to see a Pac-12 school in there and Utah would have been awesome to see in the in the college football playoff, I think that they, no, I'm not saying that they would have won because they would have had to go up against either Clemson, um, Ohio State, or LSU. It would have been LSU with the way things worked out, but I just w- would have enjoyed seeing them in the game. And I think 
you know, you never know what's going to happen on these Saturdays as evidenced by that game, the Pac-12 championship. Oregon went out and completely dominated Utah. So Utah now is out of the college football playoff picture. That's fine. It sucks. I hate Oregon because if Oregon wouldn't have lost in Arizona at Arizona State two weeks before that, they would have won and been in the college football playoff anyways. So we still would have had a new team and a Pac-12 representative in the playoff. But since they didn't, now we got to move on, move over into Saturday where now all eyes are on the Big Ten, Big 12 championship because the winner of the Big 12 championship, they're both one-loss teams in, in the championship game. The winner should be put into the college football playoff, which is actually what ended up happening. Baylor, I don't know. I, I think Oklahoma has some sort of voodoo mind trick over Baylor because Baylor, for the two games that they've played so far this season, have had leads, lost the lead, and lost in dramatic fashion. This time in overtime in the Big 12 championship. And uh, Lincoln Riley's an impressive coach. Uh, what he's been able to do with three transfer quarterbacks in the last three years with Baker Mayfield, um, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts. He's impressive, and I think that Oklahoma's a great team. I don't think that they're worthy of being the fourth team in the country in the playoff this year. I just think that that's how it worked because there was nobody else that they could put in based on the criteria that they give. They look at conference championship first, then record, then resume, and now that Oklahoma had beaten Baylor twice, who was a top 15 team both times that they beat them, there was no way that Oklahoma wasn't going to be in the playoff even though they lost to Kansas State um in manhattan so that was unfortunate i wanted baylor to win i think baylor had a great season and the turnaround that they've had has been incredible you know they were owing i think they went over two years ago and now they are a i think they're 11 and 2 at this point and they have a chance to be, have their first 12 win season in the history of their school so that's great for them they had a great season i wish they could have pulled it out against oklahoma but now the college football playoff is set, and we are going to have LSU and Oklahoma play in the Peach Bowl, and then the Fiesta Bowl is going to be Clemson and Ohio State. And I think the Clemson and Ohio State game is going to be the more interesting of the two. No offense to Oklahoma, but their defense is not good enough to stop the LSU offense with the way Joe Burrow has been playing, and LSU's defense is now kind of woken up. So I think... LSU's into the national championship no matter what. Now, I've pro I've said that, and I'm probably just jinxed them because that's what my MO has been this year. Every team that I've picked has been jinxed. Uh, I said Oklahoma was going to go into uh, Kansas State and beat them, like I think a lot of people did, and we all saw how that ended up. But so LSU in the national championship, I think they handle Oklahoma pretty easily. It's going to look a lot like how Clemson and Notre Dame looked last year with the one and four matchup. The two and three matchup, Ohio State and Clemson is the more interesting matchup to me. Because if you watch, if you just look at Clemson's schedule and the ACC as, as a whole, the ACC is a dumpster fire right now. They have Clemson at the very top and that's it. Everybody else is like three or four rungs lower. I don't think you could take Virginia, who was the runner up in the ACC this year, put them in the Big 12. I don't think that they make it Pat, I don't even think they're in contention for the conference championship. So that's how all of that has worked out. If you just look at Clemson's resume, 
they have probably the worst resume of a top three team in history of all time. I think that, you know, it that's the level of competition that they've played. And if you're just going based off resume, Clemson shouldn't be ranked in the top five. They should be back, in, you know, a ways. They might not even be able to be ranked in the top 25 with as bad of teams that they've been playing. But if you look at the scores on the schedule, barring the first five weeks because everybody's a little bit different and I think there's probably a little bit of a championship hangover. They worked so hard to get back to that game um, after Deshaun Watson won their last national championship. So they worked so hard to get back to that game, had such an amazing season last year. Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence the first four weeks, and then Trevor Lawrence comes in and lights the college football world on fire. Everybody's saying he's the re-embodiment of Peyton Manning in the college football level. He's going to be the number one draft pick whenever he decides to come out. And he struggled for the first five weeks of the season. And he struggled against, like we said, teams that aren't good if you just look at their record on paper. They're not good, the teams that he was struggling against. Then you go to week five, North Carolina, they win by one, just by the skin of their teeth. Mac Brown had North Carolina really up for that game. They played probably as good of a game as they could have, and Clemson still comes away with the one-point victory. After that, and I'm going to look up their their uh, schedule right now, and I'll read you off some of the scores from Clemson after week five. But this is probably the most impressive season that a college football team has had so if you go week one georgia tech clemson 52 to 14 week two texas a&m 24 to 10 and that was a game that a lot of people thought they were going to struggle with because they did two years ago when they played in college station they struggled a little bit but you know 24 to 10 is a good victory clemson for or clemson and syracuse 41 to 6 then clemson charlotte 52 to 10 then you get to Clemson, North Carolina, 21 and 21 to 20. And Trevor Lawrence in that game had, had some questionable decisions that he made. He didn't throw an interception in that game, um, but he had had some turnover issues, which is regular to see in a young quarterback. He's still a young quarterback. He's only a sophomore. Um, so Clemson 21, 20, whatever they got past it. They move on and now go out to the host Florida state who people forget about five years ago were probably the class of the ACC with Jameis Winston winning a national championship. Um, and if you go back to the nineties, they were a huge powerhouse in the ACC. Clemson beats them 45, 14. Clemson goes to Louisville, beats them 45 to 10. Boston college 59 to seven. Wofford, 59-14. NC State, who was a really good team last year and have produced NFL players going back. You know, Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback for the Colts, is an NC State uh, alumni. Um, Bradley Chubb for the Broncos, an NC State alumni. Beat them 55-10. Wake Forest, who has been on a very good kind of uptick the past few years, 52-3. South Carolina, 38-3. South Carolina beat Georgia in Athens, by the way. Clemson and Virginia in the ACC championship. Clemson won 62-17. to The stat is crazy. Clemson has averaged a victory margin since week five 
of 45 points. That's as close as another team has ever been to them. And now you go to the number two team in Ohio State, who was the number one team going into the conference championship, but they struggled against a really good Wisconsin team in the first half. We're down 21-7 in the first half. So I think that's partially why they fell to number two, and I think the other reason why they did is because LSU looked so dominant against a Georgia team who, in recent memory, had been in the national championship. But Ohio State's schedule this year, they've also been very impressive. Against Florida Atlantic, 45-21. Florida Atlantic ended up winning their conference this year. Against Cincinnati, 42-0. Indiana, 51-10. Indiana's a really good team. They were... They finished with three losses on the season, which is a huge improvement for them. Then they go to Miami of Ohio, 76-5. Nebraska, 48-7. Michigan State, who was 25th in the country at the time, and they are able to go in there and beat them to remain undefeated. And this is when people started to take them seriously as a national championship contender. Then they go to Northwestern, who... Is a decent team, not great. Won that one, 52-3. Then Wisconsin, 38-7. That was a score that was not expected. Wisconsin had looked unbeatable to that point. Their defense was really good. They have Jonathan Taylor, the best running back in the country. And Ohio State takes care of business, 38-7 there. I think what kind of shifted the national perspective on Ohio State was the week after the Wisconsin game, going into Mer- hosting Maryland, where they struggled so heavily last year, ended up going into overtime with the Terps, and nobody expected that to happen. Ohio State had a huge letdown following, you know, going into that game and ended up, they still won, so that was good for them, but it was not the way that a lot of people thought it was going to be. Beat them 73-14. to They absolutely obliterated them, ran them off the field in the first half. I believe they scored 50-plus points in the first half. Then they go to Rutgers, 56-21, beat Penn State, 28-17. You can say what you want about that game. Penn State kind of beat themselves with the amount of turnovers that they were having, but Ohio State was capitalizing off those turnovers, and they did beat a really good Penn State team who's ranked in the top 10 at the time, 28-17. Michigan, people thought this was going to be the year that Michigan closed the gap. If you look at the talent on each roster, everybody should know that that was a, a foolhearted kind of expectation. Ohio State for the last few years now, ever since Urban Meyer got there, have been recruiting probably some of the best players in the country at all of the positions. So Ohio State is on just another level than Michigan. Unfortunately, that rivalry has kind of lost its steam just because Ohio State has dominated so heavily in the past few years. Ohio State beats Michigan 56-27 to in the big house. And then they have that come-from-behind victory. They shut out Wisconsin in the second half and score 27 points on their way to a 34-21 Big Ten Championship victory. And now you have probably the two most dangerous schools outside of LSU playing against each other. And that two-versus-three matchup, I think we're going to get a game on the same caliber as the Georgia-Oklahoma game in the Rose Bowl two years ago, back in 2016, with Baker Mayfield and Sonny Michelle and Jake Fromm. I think that's what we're probably going to get this year in the two versus three in the Fiesta Bowl. Clemson is one of those teams that I don't think I would ever want to play against as a player, 
or as a coach. If I was a coach in college football, I would rather forfeit the game than go out there against Clemson because that's how dominant they are. And Dabo Sweeney is one hell of a coach, and he has that team who is undefeated in their past 23 games, I think, still believing that they're an underdog. I don't know how you can be an underdog when you're a returning national champion and win all of your games this following season and have a quarterback who threw, I think, 10 interceptions in the first five weeks and now has 16 touchdowns, zero interceptions over the last seven. But then you also have Ohio State, and people thought were kind of on the fence about how Ryan Day was going to be able to come in and take over a team that was built by Urban Meyer. Is he going to be able to keep the success rolling for an Ohio State team who won the national championship in 2014, has been competing a little bit in the past few years? People were wondering if he was going to be able to keep, you know, he, he basically inherited a Ferrari. All he had to do was keep keep it in fourth gear, don't strip it. <coughs> Excuse me. And he would still be able to, you know, compete for on the national level, which that's what he's been able to do. So that's probably the most intriguing matchup of bowl season so far. There's a lot of other games. Uh, we're doing our pick that we did again last year for the show and bowl for the entire bowl schedule. So I think I believe there's 41 bowl games that are on the schedule. Rev and I are going through and picking all of them, and then we're going to keep track of our records as the games go on. But I think those are probably the most intriguing matchups of the entire bowl season, and specifically that Clemson versus Ohio State game is going to be probably the the most tightly contested and the most exciting game. You obviously have the Rose Bowl, Oregon-Wisconsin. That'll be an interesting game because Wisconsin has great defense. Oregon showed that they can pound the ball on the ground against Utah. <clears throat> but I think this is obviously my favorite time of the year because of you, you get to spend time with family during Christmas, but you also get to watch 41 college football games in a row. You don't have to leave the couch. There's always a game on every single day starting this Friday, actually, is when the first bowl game is. That's the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl, Buffalo versus Charlotte. Starting this Friday all the way until January 6th is when the games stop being every single day in a row. And then you obviously have the national championship on January 13th. So there's a lot of good college football to look forward to. I think that LSU and Clemson are going to play in the college football championship. I think that Clemson is going to be good enough on defense to stop the Ohio State offense. And Ohio State's defense isn't good enough to keep up with Trevor Lawrence, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, those kind of guys on the outside. And they also have Travis Etienne, who's probably one of the more underrated backs in college football. I don't think that the Ohio State defense is good enough to keep uh, Clemson out of the end zone. And I don't think that they're going to be able to score as much as they think on the Clemson defense. So that's my pick for the national championship. And then I think that LSU is going to come away with a victory in that, or excuse me, Clemson's going to win that one, 38-35. to 35. I think that's probably the best matchup for this offense that we've seen in LSU, the new offense that was implemented this year in the more air raid style attack. Joe Burrow is having a great year, won the Heisman, obviously. That's another thing I wanted to talk about, Joe Burrow winning the Heisman um, as another transfer. I think he's the third transfer in a row 
to win the Heisman. He is because Baker Mayfield and Kyler, Kyler Murray won the last two. And uh, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio State, goes down to LSU, has an okay season last year, ended up winning their bowl game that they were in. I think they were in the Fiesta Bowl again last year when it wasn't part of the playoff. Beat UCF um, and then came out this year. And I don't know if anybody was expecting this. I think probably just people in Louisiana. But he definitely deserved to win the Heisman. He was one of the more impressive college football players of the entire season. And... uh, I think that it was a well-deserved trophy. But I don't think that he's going to have enough to get it done against Clemson. I think Clemson is too good on all sides of the ball. I think their defense is a little bit better than LSU's defense. And the way Clemson's defense is set up now, they they used to be front seven heavy to where they had all their best players on the defensive line and linebackers. Now I believe they're back seven heavy to where their linebackers are still one of the, some of the best in the country, but they have also added a lot of defensive backs that are really good. They run more of a 3-3-5 style now, which you don't run unless you have linebackers and safeties and corners who can make plays all over the field. Um, their defense plays with a lot of speed, so I think they'll, they'll be able to keep up with the speed on the offensive side of the ball of LSU. Um, LSU's offensive line is really good, so Joe Burrow's going to have time to throw. He's just going to have to make some plays against that secondary if that game ends up happening. Like I said, that's just my prediction for the, who's going to play in the championship, and I do think Clemson will win the championship. Uh, wrapping up here, the last thing I wanted to talk about, something I was thinking about actually, why me being a Bengals fan makes me some somewhat of a saint. And this is, it's a little funny, but it's also kind of, I think that it is true because having to sit through and endure the last, I'll say, 18 years as a Bengals fan where they haven't won a playoff game in, I think, close to 30. They've been in the playoffs only a handful of times since since that time. So 2006, and they were in it again, I think, in 2010 and then 2015. Always playing really well up until the playoffs and then losing in the wild card. Last time that they were in the wild card still haunts me as I was almost I almost had to take a week off of school with the amount of trash that I was talking. That was <clears throat> I'm still upset at Vontaze Perfect, even though he's not playing and he's not even on the Bengals anymore. It's just been I, I think that it shows how loyal I am, for one. And when the things finally do get turned around, I think when Mike Brown finally dies or hands over power of the team, I think that it's going to be the most satisfying thing that I've ever experienced. But it does make me a saint because I hand out victories to everybody else's team other than the Jets. Sorry, Dom. But your team was bad enough to lose to a team that was 0-7 in the Dolphins and then 0-10 in the Bengals. So I'm not don't feel too bad for you. But we hand out victories to everybody else, and we make the wrong decisions all the time. Rex Burkhead, actually, he just beat the Bengals, basically, had the game-sealing touchdown against them for the Patriots. So we develop all these really great guys and then don't either don't want to pay them or if they stay on the team, they don't get very good afterwards. I mean, Carson Palmer was great for the Bengals, decided that if things didn't change in the organiza- organization, he wanted out. 
Then he goes on after Oakland to Arizona and takes them to the NFC Championship. So it's not like we don't have good players. I think that we are so focused on just being the punching bag for everybody else in the league that it makes Bengals fans saints because we know how bad we are. Trust me. Bengals fans know that we have zero business in any sort of debate over anything ever. We don't affect anybody. That's why when I wear my Bengals jersey around campus and people go, Bengals suck. Yeah, tell me something I don't know. Why are you wearing a Bengals jersey? We don't bother anybody. Just leave me alone. Uh, those are my two main responses when somebody asks me why I'm a Bengals fan. It's uh, been rough, but I think things are looking up. Hopefully, they have the right strategy in mind. I don't think, as good as Joe Burrow is, I don't think drafting Joe Burrow number one overall is going to be a good thing for the Bengals. You need more offensive line help than what you have right now. And we saw what happened with a rookie quarterback in Ryan Finley this year. He's not necessarily as good as Joe Burrow, but everybody's going to look like crap behind that bad, bad offensive line for the Bengals. So if they do continue on this path, have the number one pick. Take Chase Young. He is a dynamic player. He will change the entire defense around. You won't have to worry about the defense really anymore after that because he will be able to transform an already decent defense. They only give up 17 points a game. Their offense just can't score more than three most of the time. Draft Chase Young and then draft as many offensive linemen or other auxiliary positions that you need help at. You have Joe Mixon, who's one of the best running backs in the game, so that's fine. And then next year, hopefully, hopefully they're not picking at number two, not picking past the top ten again if they want to get their quarterback in the draft. But if they do end up having a good season because Chase Young transforms the defense, they're able to win more games. Franchise tag Andy Dalton, keep him around for another year and then try and find their quarterback of the future. I think that their quarterback of the future could be in this draft, but I don't think that he's going to be able to work out because of how bad everybody else is on the team. Quarterbacks of the future only work when you have a good enough team surrounding them so that they are able to show off their talent. And right now the Bengals don't have that. So that those are my thoughts so far on what I think the Bengals should do at this point, college football playoff. Um, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Center of Attention. Thank you guys for listening again. This is my third episode so far, second after the trailer. And uh, I really enjoyed doing this, so it's going to continue to come out. Next week, I will have my brother, Dominic, on the podcast. And uh, we'll have a few things to talk about after Christmas and um, everything else that's been going on. But thank you guys for listening. Be sure to tune in again next week. Please follow us on Spotify if you haven't already. Um, hopefully, it's still not available on iTunes, but hopefully it will be at some point. It's also available, I believe. I'm going to pull it, pull it up here. Here we go. So the podcast Center of Attention is available on Anchor. You can listen by the links that I share on my Twitter and Facebook, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public. We are uh, not yet available on Apple Podcast, Castbox, Overcast, Pocketcast, or Stitcher, but hopefully at some point we will be. But if you listen to this on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, or Radio Public, please subscribe, 
like the podcast, leave a review. Um, it'll help move the podcast around based on how many people are actually interacting with it. It'll help me out and give me more affirmation on whether or not I should continue to do this. I enjoy doing it for myself, but I also want other people to be able to listen. Um, I talked about it on Voice of the Valley, actually. Broadcasting, both in radio and podcasting, is a little bit narcissistic because you have to think that everybody just wants to hear you talk about whatever's going on. Um, so that's hopefully people start to, to like and share. And if you enjoy it, share it to one of your friends you think will enjoy it. And just try, I'm trying to grow my audience as fast as possible, or excuse me, as much as possible. And if it takes time, I'm more than willing to wait. But this is fun for me. So hopefully it, it continues to grow and, and we continue to have a good amount of listenership. But uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Center of Attention. And we will see you guys once again next week. Hate me, hate me, still trying to replace me. Chase me, chase me, tell me how you hate me. Erase me, erase me, wish you never dated me. Lies, tell me lies, baby.